Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, co-host Justin Baker, joining me via Skype because I'm a bastard and moved away. So uh, not really moved away, but like 45 minutes or so away is a is a trip to make. So on a weekday, here we are via Skype to bring you the first ever annual mid-season futility awards for the worst of the worst. And uh, Justin, <laughs> I have to admit, I am actually quite excited for this because often we do mid-season awards and that was originally the, the thought and I, you know, okay, yeah, mid-season awards. And then I just got to thinking about how bad the Buffalo Sabres were and it really made me want to just do a list of all the bad. I love it. And I, I, you know what? I First off, let me just say, Mark, even if it's a 45-minute drive, no trip is too far to come see you. So oh, let's just put that out there. <laughs> wow. That's... Uh, <laughs> That is very, very kind. I mean, I would agree. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. Uh, we got to figure out a way to. You know, you could come here, and I can go there, and we'll just have, we'll just have two studios now. It'll be great. I love it. And then when we have famous guests on our show, we can be like, yeah, did you want to go to the White Lake uh, campus, or do you want to go to the, the West uh, Garden City campus? You know, whichever. Yeah, one. it's always going to be yours. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, to come visit the logs. Hey, do you want exactly. to? We want to smell some wood. Come out to my house. Just um, feel like a man out there. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, yeah. You, I mean, you, you're. It's there's an obligatory three trees that you have to chop down in order to come out here. <laughs> I, I moved to five acres, so that's that's why we're uh, joking about being in the woods because I, yeah, we, we I went from having neighbors that were about twenty feet away, maybe thirty feet away in terms of how far apart our houses were. Um, to actually, I'm sure it was less than 30 feet. Um, to now, I think there's probably, there's at least a hundred to 150, depending on the house, maybe more than that. Uh, once the tree, once all the leaves are in, I don't think I'll be able to see anybody. So I'm looking forward to that day. Um, all right. So the futility awards, uh, where do we want to start? I mean, so run down just, uh, the awards that you have decided to hand out on the first ever mid-season futility awards. Also, this means that we're going to have to have an end-of-season futility award because, or maybe we don't. Maybe we never, t- we'll only do this mid-season. I don't know. I kind of like this so far, so maybe we do do it at the end of the year. Uh, we'll, we'll have that talk. But. Love the doo-doo. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right. So what I have for, for our listeners, I have uh, least valuable player, worst defenseman, worst defensive forward, Worst goaltender, worst team, worst coach, worst rookie of the year, least gentlemanly, and worst GM. Now we can come up, maybe eventually down the road, we could come up with our own award names for these, which would be fantastic. That's so uh, true. We do need to have some award names. Wow. Yes. This could get good. This could get real good. It could. So anyways, that's what I have now. Um, you know, contrary to maybe like, you know, a lot of the awards that they hand out for you know most valuable player uh best defensive forward that kind of stuff they they typically take into account where the team finishes uh versus their you know point totals what they did on and off the ice that sort of stuff so i kind of took into account too you know at least when i was looking at a lot of these players and goaltenders coaches what have you uh you know where the team was in the standings what team they played for and maybe you know took into account okay if they're on like the worst team in the world maybe give them a little bit more grace than maybe someone who's on a really good team that's just doing really bad statistically. 
So again, we'll uh, you know weigh all those things in there. So yeah, and, that's and, what I have. And obviously, like the worst defenseman isn't going to go to a guy who's the number seven defenseman on the Anaheim Ducks. Like that's right. not that's not you know obviously this isn't like hey who's the least talented defenseman? No, this is who is like so far below expectations that they are deserving of such an award to ridicule and and just completely put down the way they've played all year. Which is, in <laughs> fact, that maybe these should just be the bully awards. Like, we're just going to bully these players. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Into submission. This is, this is it's constructive criticism because our hope is that, you know, these guys pick their games up and that you don't ever want to be on this list twice. Like, hopefully you figure your stuff out or you just call it good and retire. I guess those are the <laughs> options, right? All right. Well, which which award do you want to start with? Um, you know what? Let's let's start with an easy one. Let's go least gentlemanly. Uh, least gentlemanly. Okay. Um, go ahead. Who's your least gentlemanly player in the NHL? So I am giving this award to none other than Austin Watson from the Ottawa Senators. Is it because of what he does uh, off the? Of, oh. <laughs> I, I did actually think about that, but no, he actually leads the NHL in uh, fights with a total of, I actually was expecting quite a bit more than this, but uh, only six fights for him. And the next closest is four fights. Obviously, you know, fighting is going down in the NHL. Sure. And, um, you know, he finishes right now. He's currently sitting in 12th in terms of penalty minutes with 40. Uh, Brendan Lemieux leading that category with 59 penalty minutes. But Austin Watson actually has played, you know, quite a, you know, limited number of games. And I actually did look at, uh, there's another person on this list. I don't know if maybe he made yours, but uh, Curtis Gabriel with only 11 games played and has 55 penalty minutes. I, I but, did uh, see that. Yes, I did. Yeah. See that. But for me, I, I got to go with Austin Watson here. Okay. Uh, you know, I kind of kept it simple. I, I look at, you know, here here you have penalty minutes and Brendan Lemieux just leading the way. So I, I went with Brendan Lemieux because, you know, f- what, 59 penalty minutes for this guy in 31 games. And uh, not only, like, he's only playing 10 minutes a game. He's got 31 shots on goal. He scored twice, but he's got 59 penalty minutes. Uh, so to <laughs> me, that is just a... Uh, you're you're in a place where not only are is he, you know, grabbing these penalties. He he's got he's not Curtis Gabriel with his like five minutes a game, but I mean Curtis Gabriel is is what he is. But uh, he uh, yes, Brennan Lemieux taken seventeen penalties, which is also uh, only second to Jordan Greenway on the Minnesota. Wild, but at least Greenway is putting up some big points. You know, he's got he's got twenty one points. He's doing some things, but uh, yeah, it's uh, Jordan Greenway. Or you know, you could always go with uh, oh who oh sorry, I was just looking at the wrong list. Uh, Nikolai Nijan Nijev. I don't even know how to say his name. He's on the Sharks, defenseman, but he has a minus twelve in terms of penalties drawn and penalties taken. So you could also. You know, point to him. He's drawn three penalties and he's taken fifteen. So uh, not the most gentlemanly guy, but I understand you also have to put into account how many times a guy fights. Now, one interesting thing: no player has two game misconducts yet this season. There are four with 
a misconduct penalty. That's Max Domi, Brendan Lemieux, Zach Bogosian, and Trent Frederick. Frederick, sorry, but no, uh, no two game misconduct. So that uh, you know, if there was somebody with a bunch of game misconducts, then you could really point and go, "Well, that guy's a dick." But there's <laughs> there's only been 13 game misconducts handed out thus far this year. So it shows you that uh, maybe the uh, players are overall more gentlemanly than they once were. Definitely more right. gentlemanly than the 70s, you know. I will give you that. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy. Okay. Uh, what do you think? Worst defenseman? Let's do it. Worst defenseman. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll start here. I, I feel as though, you know, you, as much as I don't like plus minus, Rasmus Dahlin sitting at a minus 33. He's 10 worse than the next guy and 13 worse than somebody not on his team. Uh, 16 worse than the next guy not on his team, Sam Bennett. Minus 33, he only has two goals, 12 points. He's he's also, you know, he's he's taken seven penalties, so he's got 14 penalty minutes. He's just not doing it for me. And not only that, I mean, as far as his shot attempts, you know, his, his Corsi you know, and all that, it's, it's uh, at about 49%, which isn't absolutely terrible. He's definitely not the worst on his team, but he is supposed to be he's the number one defenseman on this team he's he was the first overall pick he is supposed to be the guy and even on a bad team you want a star player to be in a position to push the needle forward for your team and he has just not been able to do that he struggled at multiple times during the year and I've heard it said basically if you want the Buffalo Sabres you want to figure out their problem he is the first place to start. You have to get him right before anyone else. He's the most important player outside of Jack Eichel. Like we know who Jack Eichel is, but Rasmus Dahlin needs to be a stud for a long time. And he is really he's he's looking rather average. And that is just not gonna cut it. Yeah. Um boy, that that one's a hard one to argue with for sure. I mean, and I do feel bad for the kid. He's, I mean, he's only 20 years old, and defense is, in my opinion, the second hardest position to to really be good at, um, or at least in terms of takes time to develop into and be very good at, right? I mean, we looked at some of the greats. Obviously, you can come in and you can dominate offensively, but to get both ends of the ice working just so perfectly, it takes a while to do. Sure. And not everybody's going to be good at it. I, I don't disagree, but you, the first overall pick, I mean, you're just expecting more absolutely yeah i can't disagree with you i mean uh so for me i i i didn't choose rasmus dalin as much as i actually wanted to um but i took nikita zaitsev from the ottawa senators nikita not zaitsev. to keep picking not to keep picking on ottawa but um man i looked at you know when i looked at corsi uh, the Fenwick against all these even strength numbers against, and right up at the top there is Thomas Shabbat, right for for pretty much both of these categories, um, in terms of you know uh, even strength shots plus blocks and misses against. But Nikita Zaitsev is right up there with him. Although, you know, again, Thomas Shabbat will have that offensiveness to his game. Zaitsev is there to be the defensive stud, and you can see he gets sixty two percent of his zone starts in the defensive zone playing over 20 minutes a night. This guy just isn't putting up the points. I mean, obviously, 
not supposed to be a dynamic offensive player, but uh, the plus minus isn't there. You know, he's only managed to scrap together 12 points, a negative 14 at this point. So, um, yeah, yeah he's, just, he's, he's, a, he's pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah. The, the PDO, again, for those who don't know, it's just basically the uh, goals against plus save or the save percentage plus, you know, shot attempts, that sort of thing. And uh, it's under 100, which you want to be at 100 to be a decent player. And it's just, it's not good. So. Yeah, yeah, and and well, and the PDO can kind of point towards maybe getting a little unlucky because if your shooting percentage is really low when you're on the ice and your your goalie's not making a lot of saves, that that can also play play a, a sure a huge factor in that. Uh, but yeah, when it well, I mean, we can get to goalies <laughs> in a second <laughs> because I think that goalies for Ottawa definitely deserve some kind of tip of the cap when it comes to futility uh defensive forward yeah let's do it all right who do you have i have well the uh, worst defensive forward i should say the worst defensive forward uh i have from the philadelphia flyers and you might see this team pop up a couple more times here uh nolan patrick yeah um he's been and yeah, he's been pretty bad. And so when you look at plus minus, right, and I know you and I have talked about this before, we don't like to, well, at least I don't like to use plus minus as the the measuring stick for a lot of things, right? But uh, when you look at the league leaders in minus, right, the worst plus minus in the league, out of the top 10, seven of those players are from Buffalo, right? So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which, which plus minus tends to, to shift and point towards how bad a team is more exactly. than anything. Like, Rasmus Dahlin, I do think that he truly has been the least met expectations at the lowest level in the NHL as far as defensemen go. But his minus 33 is more of a result of the team around him and the goaltending around him than it is necessarily of the offense that he's producing. He's still not producing much offense. He's still not pushing the needle that much. But the team around him has been absolutely awful. Yeah. Uh, so for me, Nolan Patrick comes in as my worst defensive forward, sitting at the fifth worst plus minus at negative 20. Um, this kid through 34 games, I'm glad to see him back on the ice, you know, but only seven points so far, five even strength points. Uh, you know, he's getting second and third line ice time, you know, roughly close to 14 minutes per game. So it really, you know, he's out there for a lot of, a lot of goals against clearly. Uh, but wherever he's playing, it's just it's not producing. And I know Philly's had their recent goaltending struggles uh, with Carter Hart, but um, from what I've seen, the limited amount of you know games I've watched him play and the clips I've seen, he just looks a little lost. At least that bottom six does for Philadelphia, and it just doesn't well, look really... lost his entire career. <laughs> yeah. So for me right now, I just I have to point towards Nolan Patrick. Okay, uh, I. I, I certainly considered Nolan Patrick, I, you know, him being so low on plus minus and being on a team that was supposed to be a uh, freaking lock for the playoffs. Um, <laughs> according to some experts out there, you know, they, they some people really thought that Philadelphia was a lock for the playoffs. I don't, I mean, I don't know who, uh, yeah, no, some, of course, some misguided fools. Um, but my least defensive player, is, and and this may or may not be his only award of of the day uh, is the recently traded Columbus left winger Patrick Line. Uh, 
Uh, Patrick Line has just been awful in terms of pr- producing offense. He is a 41.8 Corsi, which is uh, good for any player playing more than 20 games. There's only 12 players who are worse than him, and uh, none of them average more ice time than him, which he's only getting 14.23 a game. Uh, but all the players under him are, uh, m- for the most part, considerably less. So he's on the ice a lot. He's not producing anything, <laughs> and <laughs> and he just, he has he's a minus eleven. Yes, he has nine goals, nine goals in twenty eight games. It's I mean he's on pace for like a basically a twenty five goal season, which for him it's it's not great. But last year it was that defensive side of his game that was really touted. Like hey, he's he's really trying. He's he's worked on his defensive game and. He was finding his way. You know, there are people talking about how how well he had developed defensively. And, I mean, you look at what he's doing. Not only is the needle not being pushed, it is going the wrong way. When he is out there, the the Blue Jackets are getting peppered <laughs> whenever he's on the ice. <laughs> so he's not creating offense, and, and really he's not stopping much from going in. And so it's... Uh, I mean, he's getting 63.8% of his starts in the offensive zone. That's decently high. You know, he's he's definitely not being uh, not being hurt by, you know, okay, 75% of his faceoffs are in the defensive zone. Then you could understand why he might have uh, some lesser numbers in terms of possession. But he's starting the vast majority of the time, basically two of every three faceoffs in the offensive zone. So it's uh, it's baffling to me how he's been just so bad and maybe maybe it's just obviously the connection of the coach and all that too but a a, a coach and a player disagreeing on how to play only goes so far he's still getting 14 minutes a game and he's sucking every time he's out there so it's patrick yeah, it's a contract year so yep yep and i i mean and i don't think that he's gonna stay i don't think he'll sign there no I think they're gonna I, have I to trade him that. again in which case you know, you just traded your you traded your franchise center for a guy you thought would come in and score you a bunch of goals, and now he doesn't like it there. Now you're gonna have to choose. Now if they fire John Tortorella, he might sign there. Yeah, we'll see. That's the only way. Okay, uh what award are we going to next? Should we do worst coach? Since we're uh Let's do worst floating coach. around coaches. Let's do it. Who do you have? So I went back and forth with this one a couple times. Initially I had Jeff Blashill in here. And maybe it's because just I watch a lot more Red Wing games than most other teams. But for me, I'm going Bob Bugner from the San Jose Sharks. Okay, yeah. He definitely has not met expectations there, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you look at where they sit in the standings, right? Obviously, we, I, you know, I think you and I both, we had San Jose missing the playoffs. Um, but right now sitting 32 points in the NHL, which is, I mean obviously tied for the fourth worst in the NHL down there with some teams like, you know, they're just a couple points behind, uh, you know, ahead of a team like Anaheim, who we, again, another team we knew was going to be really, really bad. Uh, But since he's got there, I mean, it just, it's been, it's been pretty bad. Um, You know, and you look at the amount of talent he has on this team, right? Logan Gachur, Evander Kane, Thomas Hurdle, guys, again, a lot of guys who, you know, weren't going to blow you away in terms of like, you know, he didn't have those Connor McDavid's, those Leon Dreisaitl type sure, players. Sure, But he had some decent forwards to work with. He, had he only has Eric Carlson. <laughs> right. 
he's got Eric Carlson, Brett Burns, you know, Mark Edward Vlasic, quality guys on the back end. And even Devin Dubnik looked pretty decent coming into the season. Now, I, I do think Dubnik's going to be on the trade block here in the next week, and uh, you might see him get shifted out. But again, he had some decent pieces to work with that should have been better for second worst in their division, right? And it's just he just can't seem to get guys going. He can't seem to really the, – the attitude of this team just sucks. And I look at it. I watched uh, last night Eric Carlson's press conference, and they were talking about, oh, you know, you had one of your best offensive games of the, the year or of your career last night. Well, I think he had four points, whatever it was. And he just basically looked at him, just pissed off. He's like, nope, wasn't one of my best. Bye. And that was it. And that just – that kind of, for me, sums up the attitude of this team right now. Mm. Uh, not to mention, I mean, you you would think this team would have something to celebrate with a guy like Patrick Marlowe, just 10 games away from, you know, setting the all-time record for most games played. Uh, but no, they just, they seem to have a bevy of problems, both, you know, up front and the back end and just can't ever seem to, to piece it together. Yeah, San Jose, I, I think also the situation in, uh, in that area be very hard. I mean, it's the way that uh, everything's been locked down the whole time. Sure. That that in L.A., but L.A. is supposed to be bad. <laughs> I know they had a good little start, but yeah, San Jose just, I mean, they're they're like on a whole nother level of bad, at least defensively. Uh, it's been surprising how bad, and, and that just, I think, probably tips towards the goaltending too, but all that money, all that money spent yeah. on defense, and they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. <laughs> it's uh, It seems like, y- you know, you talk about, hey, San Jose may not have those like absolute superstar franchise type of forwards. They're supposed to have a couple of defensemen that are franchise type defensemen. I mean, they have Norse trophy winners on the back end, uh, right. <laughs> but it just, yeah, it seems like they aren't bought into Bob Bugner's system. And maybe that has something to some, a bit to do with, with COVID and not getting that whole entire training camp. And, you know, he's, he's a new coach, you know, he came in, in last year, like halfway through the year, but uh, it was a weird, like you know, what I don't, I can't remember when he got brought in when Todd McClellan was fired. But what did he have a, a few months with the team before all the COVID stuff happened, and then they didn't play yeah, he again got for seven games. Yeah, for a year, and then you know, it's, there there are definitely things that you can look at and say, well, there was a lot stacked against them, but at the same time, there's a lot stacked against almost every team, especially those teams that didn't get to go inside of the bubble. Like when you look at you look at the teams that didn't get into the bubble last year and you look at how they're doing this year, there are like most of them are still bad. Like Detroit, they weren't in the bubble. Buffalo, New Jersey, they weren't in the bubble. Uh who else was uh Anaheim wasn't in the bubble. San Jose, LA, Ottawa. Edmonton Edmonton, no, they were in the bubble. Yeah, so they were in the bubble, I mean, yeah. there's the teams that weren't in the bubble, you're, I think you're seeing maybe the result of basically not playing hockey for a year. Uh, Very but, well, it could be. Yeah. But my worst coach, uh, well, I, yeah, I think your Bob Bugner is a is a great choice. I I went back and forth on this, but I think in terms of expectations, I think we all thought that Vancouver would be better. I think we all thought that they would be at least competing for a playoff spot in this division, you wanted to see Quinn Hughes and, and Brock Besser. And and I know Pedersen's been hurt. I I know all that. I know that injuries certainly play a factor, but uh, 
they just signed Thatcher Demko to uh, to a fatty five year, twenty five million dollar deal. And uh, my first reaction to that was, why? Why'd you give him that much? <laughs> yeah, I don't I think he's been that good. At, like, <laughs> well, don't I mean, get me wrong. He's had a nice stretch, but he's been he's I mean, been fine. But he hasn't been lights out by any means. I I don't know. I have five million dollars for 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 him is seems high, especially since the cap isn't going to go up for a while. Um, well, I will say I, I think they they feel in the next year or two he's going to be elite, and I think they're trying to get pay him a little bit more preemptive, now to yeah. save those last three you know ish years or whatever. So sure. Um, but yeah, I'm going Travis Green. It's okay. the way that uh, the Vancouver. You know, you you look at Quinn Hughes. He he hasn't been able to. Well, I mean, he's still, he's twenty eight points in thirty seven games. It's nothing to slouch at. I mean, he he'd be on pace for like basically a sixty point season, which is great. Uh, the minus seventeen, not so great. Uh, just things appear to be sloppy for for this team. Uh, they're you know they're minus twenty in terms of goal differential, which is second worst in that Canadian division, second only to of course Ottawa. Uh, they're also really not scoring many goals. You know they're uh, I think they're sixth worst in the league in uh, goals against, and then goals for they're nineteenth something like that, twenty uh, second. So they're really they're they're not scoring, they're not stopping much of anything. And the important thing, they just are not winning and things have kind of fallen apart. You know, they're not going to make the playoffs. I I don't think there's any way they make the playoffs, especially with, uh, you know, five games in hand for Montreal and four points up They're They're not mathematically eliminated, but basically eliminated. And it's just, it's disappointing to see after what they were able to do in the bubble to now, you know, being so far out of the playoffs so early. I mean, we're only, we're barely halfway through the season. I mean, I guess we're like a little bit more, but you would think that they would be more competitive and they just have not been. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't help much when you, when you do have a star like Elias Pettersson go out, you have, you know, Tyler Foley going out. But but, but Pettersson still played 26 games and in those 26 games, actually they played better since Pettersson's been hurt. Because in the last 10 games, they're six, three and one without Pettersson. Yeah, well, that's very true. I'll, I'll give you that. But there's been no consistency out of this team all year long, regardless who's in the lineup. That's for sure. Yeah, and you know, Nate Schmidt hasn't been uh, hasn't been the impact player that I thought he would be. I thought Nate Schmidt would be much better, and m- much like what we saw when he remember when he was suspended at the beginning of uh, of the year for Vegas a couple years ago, and they were terrible right oh, out yeah. the bat and then he came back and things really turned around. I thought that he would be that player for Vancouver and he just hasn't been quite as good. So uh essentially he's a replacement for Tanev and it just hasn't mixed as well with Quinn Hughes and giving him a partner and so yeah, that's uh but I'd say that a lot of that is on the coaching. Like those are things that a coach controls. Who who is star players play with and and managing injuries and they just haven't been able to to really do that and when everyone's been healthy they they still aren't looking that great so vancouver for me travis green sorry you win worst coach of the year okay based on expectations i mean obviously there's worse teams you know we could could very easily pick the buffalo sabers and just <laughs> rag on them for everything uh they're 
by the time you're listening to this, you'll probably know whether or not they lost 19 games in a row. We're recording this at 6 o'clock, uh, so we, we don't know quite yet. They're playing tonight. Uh, okay, what uh, what award next? Where do you want to go? Well, let's go worst GM, since we worst just talked GM. about coaches. Okay, let's let's hear. Who's your worst general manager? Yeah, you had me thinking about it. Mine, my pick is Jim Benning from Vancouver. Um, okay. I, I hate to stay on the Vancouver train, but, um, you know, and again, I, I kind of take into account the way he set himself up at the beginning of the year. He let, you know, Jacob Markstrom, Chris Tenev go, two stalwarts on the back end that really helped make this team a, a playoff threat last year. And I thought, okay, cool, you know. Um, you know, when, when they let those guys walk, I figured, okay, well, it must be because they want astronomical amount of money. Well, no, they really, compared to the guys they replaced them with, with Braden Holtby and Nate Schmidt, it, it wasn't yeah. that much more in terms of dollar and cents. No, and, and, and they just paid Thatcher Demko $5 million a year, and and, uh, and they they could have had Markstrom for six. Right, and, and, and again, you know, maybe, uh, okay, maybe I, I see your understanding that, you know, maybe you think Demko is your future goaltender, which is all fine and dandy, but at least, you know, put yourself in a situation where you have to make that choice, you know, where you have two elite goaltenders and you're like, crap, we have to we have to pick one, you know, and then go from there. But, right. you know, don't back yourself in a corner where you're like, OK, Demko, great. Now, now Demko has all the leverage and negotiations. He's like, good, you're going to need me because you don't have anybody else. So screw you guys. I'm taking more money. Very true. And that's what essentially happened. So. Yep. You know, and then you look at that. Now he's put himself in a situation where he's got basically twenty million dollars now in cap space next year to uh, sign Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, whom he has not re-signed by now. Which I—that's again another reason why I just look at him and I say worst GM because the team's playing terrible, and I don't know if you know maybe that has something to do with it. But um, I would have tried to lock these guys up sooner. You know, maybe that would have you know taken their minds off one thing and helped them focus on you know the task at hand and. Um, you know, obviously we can poke, you know, at all the other moves he's made, you know, the years prior, you know, signing guys like Anton Roussel, um, you know, gosh, Brandon Sutter, bringing guys like that, uh, you know, Jay Beagle, Beagle, um, which I mean, just put them in a, a, a corner and they don't really have an opportunity to be, you know, they, to basically take that next step for these young kids because they don't have money to do it. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's. You know, this is where I really lean towards Buffalo, even though it's not totally fair. I know that Kevin Adams has only been there for what a year, right? A total, <laughs> a total year. Yeah, I think October eleventh is really his. Uh, or no, when was his first? His very first move as a GM was July thirty first, twenty twenty. So it was, it was right around there. I mean, he, I understand he hasn't had a whole lot of time with this team. Uh, but when I look at, you know, bringing in air, uh, bringing in Taylor Hall, like maybe this, it changes if they're able to get something decent for Taylor Hall. Uh, but the return for Eric Stahl, not, not all that great. A third and a fifth round pick. And, I I, I just, I, I guess I, I have to point to, to him. He's on the worst team. He's the general manager of the worst team, but at least they tied the record. They might be. They tied the record for the worst losing streak of all time. Not even the 74-75 Washington Capitals <laughs> lost this many games in a row. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like in the age of parody, it is unbelievable. Even without Jack Eichel, I don't care. There's plenty of teams that are missing 
high-end players that manage to win a game once every 16 games. <laughs> every 17 yeah. games. I mean, it, is, <laughs> it seems as though, like, to me, you're the GM. You're the one who sets the stage. You can you can go in. You can make the moves you need to. You can send guys down to the minors. You can do a whole lot of things. And whatever whatever's going on there, I mean, it has to, like, something's going on from the very top down. And I think some of it is bringing in Taylor Hall. Um, I, I think it was just an, a strange overestimation of what they had there. And I don't, I like, when I look at Taylor Hall, I don't, I look at a guy that, like, I wouldn't give up a first round pick to get Taylor Hall, to be honest. Because, sure. because I think that he comes to a team, and I mean, Arizona was worse with Taylor Hall. I, I just don't know. He needs to be in the right situation where he does not have to be even close to the best player on that team because there's something strange about him right now uh, where he just seems to go places in the team's struggles. <laughs> and he's supposed to be a goal scorer, and he can't score any goals. So I wouldn't touch him. I would just say, no, no. I mean, if it's for – no, even I, I just wouldn't want him on my team. Not even for a second rounder? No, no. I don't want okay. him for a second rounder. I don't want them – I, I don't want him on my team. Not even for a fifth round pick. I don't want wow. Taylor Hall wow. on my okay. team. Okay. Hey, that's fair. And I mean, sometimes you know when you're those teams at the top, you say, "Why well, mess with the chemistry?" Right? Yep. Yep. And that's it. So and I that's, get it. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there's some teams going to throw something at them and and try to get them, but uh, it just yeah. I'm still calling Boston. So okay. Uh, okay. What what award do we have next? Let's do worst rookie. Uh, worst rookie. Is this easy? Uh, this is easy this for me. This is probably the easiest one on the whole list. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Alexis Lafreniere. Yes. I mean. Yes, just been terrible. Yeah, he's averaging eight minutes of ice time. Um, or I'm sorry, he's a little bit more than eight minutes. But on, on Sunday last week against Washington, he only got eight minutes of ice time. Only 10 points so far through 35 games just has not looked, you know, like he looks completely lost, out of place. And when you look at, you know, the way that top six is rolling in, in New York, you, you would figure he could get into that and at least have a little bit better production. I mean, don't get me wrong, Capocacco is not playing super great right now, but he still he still at least looks like he knows what he's doing out there. And to me, you know, Alexis Lafreniere just looks like looks lost, honestly. Yeah, and and I think a lot. You know, I, I feel bad for him because obviously COVID has something to do with this. I, in my opinion, you know, you look at normally these guys would get these rookie camps and you get a full training camp and, and you really get to immerse yourself in the team culture. And my guess is it just has not happened for him. And I, I, I do feel bad for all the rookies, guys that were drafted last year and they're coming in. Um, it would be a difficult process. I mean, I know, you know, you've got Kirill Kaprizov up at the top of rookie scoring. He's going to win rookie of the year. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but. He's also 35 years old, so. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I will say that. And when you look at these rookies, right, the ones that are successful are the guys who have been, like, for example, you know, uh, Capril has been playing over in Russia for the last few seasons, so they've had time to get acclimated with big teams, right? So a lot of these, the, the rookies right now that we're seeing that are being successful have been with their, their teams and in the system for, for a year or two at least. You know, and he's just kind of thrown into the fire. Just figure it out. Let's go. No training camp. You know, let's do it. 
Right. And yeah, and then it's, it's not, not totally, uh, not totally fair, but I, I do really, I actually, I, you know, if I wasn't going to pick Kaprizov, I really like the way that Tim Stutzla has, has come along, but and this is the worst, the worst Alex, Lafre- Alexis Lafreniere, I'll just call him Alex, but uh, yeah, Alex, he, he has been, <laughs> he is not mad but like when you get drafted first overall, you're a forward and this wasn't like a he sure kind of year where it was like, okay, there's. There's a lot of guys that maybe could be taken first overall, and there's no super superstar franchise like this. This he was touted to be the the next Austin Matthews, like that level of player, and it's not too often that a guy is touted to be all right. Here's the next great player in the league, and he comes in and he sucks. It doesn't yeah. happen where that guy ends up being really good later on. I, I don't I don't know what's going to happen, but it it if uh, maybe going back to that uh, worst GM, maybe the worst GM is uh, on the New York Rangers because the way that they have drafted very high first overall pick Jeff Gordon, first overall, second overall, they had opportunities to go other ways, and neither pick has been very good. But I'll give him the Artemi <laughs> Panarin, so I can't I can't totally hate on him because that was. Uh, that was a beauty. Yeah. Uh, okay. What, uh, what do we have? MVP we got, or LVP? Least valuable yes, LVP, player? What uh, other? Worst goalie and worst team left. Uh, so worst, your pick. Yes. Worst goalie. Let's go worst goalie. Okay. Uh, boy, my favorite category. Jeez, um, for me, I, it's it's easy to bash on every goaltender in Ottawa right now. That's true. That's I'm going to say Carter Hart. Carter Hart, yes. I agree. He's on. He's my worst goaltender as well. He's been absolutely yeah. brutal. When you look at goals saved above expected, he is second to last at a negative 20.7, and the only <laughs> goaltender worse than him is Matt Murray in Ottawa at yeah. a negative 20.9. I mean... And and Matt Murray is on a team that wasn't supposed to be good anyways. Right. You look at the, the goaltenders around him. Thomas Grice, again, terrible team. Ryan Miller, terrible team. Martin Jones, same story left and right. Again, Carter Hart's on a decent team, a Philadelphia team that, again, I expected to probably make a push for the playoffs and be, you know, a contender here, at least to get in the dance. But they're actually, now I hear, you know, TSN, I I love watching their little trade bait videos, but they're basically talking now that they're going to go shopping for a goaltender because they're thinking about actually giving Carter Hart time away from the team to regather himself. His goals against is above four. Four. Above four. That's, That's like an average goalie in 1981. Yeah, what the frick? An eight sixty nine save percentage. That's I don't think so I've bad. ever seen anything that bad in my entire life. And this is a guy who last year looked good, looked comfortable, yeah, looked like he yeah, was he ready looked to great steal the show. in the playoffs. He looked great in the playoffs. I don't know what's happening, and I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if we come out here. He's, you know, he's he's had some injury issues or something, but I doubt it. I mean, honestly, I just think this is just a mental thing because yeah. this position is so hard to play at such a young age. You know, for a guy that's you know barely into his twenties, you know, to try to figure it out like this, I mean, I I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a mental thing for sure. Okay, uh, yeah, Carter Hart is our consensus worst goalie of the year, uh, and I <laughs> and I don't think it's going to get any better. I hope it does for him. You don't ever want a guy to have to stay the worst goalie of the year. Maybe it'll maybe it'll get better, and we'll give the end of the year to Matt Murray. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> worst team. I mean, I'm going with Buffalo all the way. Six freaking wins in 34 games. They might 
end up having the what's the fewest amount of wins in a season eight 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 is the fewest i mean granted that's over the course of uh 82 game or 80 games or whatever it was 72 games in the 1974 uh this will only be 56 but if they only win once in the next i don't i don't see that once in the next 22 games if they only win one time <laughs> oh god that would be terrible that's just how bad that 74 75 team was but they might not get double digits in wins yeah it would it would not shock me and i'm with you they're my pick i mean you look at how bad they've been top to bottom and it's it's clear they you know fire their their coach and um boy i mean you know yes no jack eichel is definitely going to affect your team but they shouldn't be this bad without that guy they you know they are averaging less than uh, barely barely more than two goals a game 71 goals in 34 games yeah you have a guy who you know last year rasmus dalin you know a potential rookie of the year candidate a guy who you know is supposed to be a next you know superstar defenseman you have Taylor Hall, a former Hart Trophy winner. Eric Stahl, a former 40-goal scorer. You have all these guys. Ristolainen's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. He's actually not playing. He wasn't playing Sam that Reinhardt bad had a good late. year last year. Yeah. So you had pieces to say, okay, cool. This team can be okay, right? Maybe not great. Maybe not good. But they can be okay. And they are absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah. They made me look like a fool. They really did. <laughs> I picked them to make the playoffs. And- here we are. The yeah, worst, I'm going to rub that one in your One face. of the worst teams ever. <laughs> they might be, there's a possibility that like they might be the worst team since the Atlanta Thrashers in 99-2000. I believe the Atlanta Thrashers had 14 wins over 82 games uh, and 28 points. That's before overtime losses, loss points. So right. uh, if, you, if you can even come close to that now with overtime losses, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because it's it's uh, it's tremendous. <laughs> it's tremendous how bad they are, and I I feel bad rooting for them to lose. Like I just don't want to, I don't want to do that. But sometimes it is like it's like when the Tigers were going for a hundred hundred losses, you know, like or hundred and twenty losses or whatever whatever the record was when they oh, were goodness. chugging towards that. And you're like, I don't, I feel bad for them, but I really want to see this happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh last one the old lvp the old luxury vinyl planking and the oh, least goodness. valuable player yeah i hate to beat a dead horse but i got a stick in buffalo and give this to jeff skinner oh I mean, yeah that's a good one i hate to do it to him and i i could have easily given this to him last year as well had we had these awards but the guy freaking 30 plus games only three goals one assist so far and if you look right now in terms of cost in terms of dollar amounts per point he is costing this team 2.25 million dollars per point (laughs) right now that is what he's worth oh that's funny yes there are some guys in the league that you know cost more per point when you look at it right like obviously like Louis Erickson's an easy one to point to. He's costing, he's only got one point, but he's only played five games. And he's so, not, no one, no one thinks he's good anymore. There's no expectation right. for him. Exactly. And that's the thing. And it's just, I, I, I can't see anybody worse off than him right now at this point in terms of cost per point. And, and it's not going to get any easier because he doesn't have 
Jeff Eichel. He or Jack Eichel. He doesn't have. He doesn't have Jeff Eichel uh, either. Yeah, no. <laughs> and he doesn't have Eric Stahl. He has absolutely no center support right now at this point. And you're trying to score goals like at nine million bucks. Sorry, see ya. You're uh, you're donezo, buddy. At you know, it's <laughs> it's not looking pretty. I mean, there's no easy way to say it. And he's taken sixty three shots. So he's scoring a goal once every 20 shots. That's pretty terrible. Even for, you know, his his career average, it's just it's it, I feel I almost feel bad for him to be quite honest. Almost. But in another sense I don't because you're making 9 million bucks. So figure it out. Yeah, in terms of dollars and and what's expected of you uh it's it's pretty bad. Um Yes, Jeff Skinner absolutely he's on such a bad team. That it almost, like, if he was a little better, it still would be horrible in Buffalo. Uh, I am giving the only award of the night to another player who already received one. Uh, My worst defensive forward is also my least valuable player, and that is Patrick Laine on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Wow, I love it. Yes, I, I mean, I think the Columbus Blue Jackets, they still, they have a legitimate chance at making the playoffs. And... They, I think, would be in a playoff spot if, I mean, if Patrick Laine was scoring the way that we know he can, if he was on a 40-goal pace and, and he was producing offense, playing a good defensive game, I, I think that makes makes up a, a few points at least for, for this team, and, and I think that they're in a better position uh, and maybe sitting in a playoff spot instead of Nashville. So I, I really think Patrick Laine... He's the he's the ticket for this team. Now, I will say, Patrick Line, you can have a little drop down, like a little arrow that goes down and then to the right underneath him, and throw Max Domi into that too, because Max Domi has not been good, and he he needs to be better for this Blue Jackets team because you know you you dish out Dubois, and Max Domi's your guy. Like he's it's Line and Dubois, and neither of them are really putting up anything of significance. So. Uh, that team, I'd say, is they're they're one of them where you go. They haven't really had horrible injuries, and yet here they are. They're out of a like pretty pretty far out of a playoff spot. Yeah, and the crazy thing for Columbus, right? We talk about it. Top four in each division. They're three points behind a Nashville team and Chicago team for that fourth spot. But as bad as they've looked, a guy like exactly Patrick Liney hasn't looked great. Max Domi hasn't looked great. At some point, you know, if you're Columbus, do you start selling pieces? Because I'm afraid they're going to go through another year where they did the same thing with, you know, Panarin and Duchesne, and they just didn't sell off their free agents. Right, and then they, they got get David nothing. Savard that they could deal, yeah. Right. Do they, do they think they're going to make the playoffs and keep David Savard around and keep a guy like Riley Nash or even Nick Foligno, who I keep hearing rumors to go to the, the New York Islanders, right? He would be a perfect fit in Barry mm, Trotz's Anders system. Lee. But, yeah, with losing Anders yeah. Lee for sure. Yeah, I mean right. – it would be tough to, you know, he's been their captain for a long time. It would, and I believe he came over in the uh, the Rick Nash deal, didn't he? He did, yeah, yeah, I believe so. so he's been there for a long time. There's your connection to Rick Nash still. Uh, yeah, I wonder, I wonder what this what this team will do. I part of me says, you know, John Tortorella has kind of outlived his usefulness here, and it's time to find somebody who can shape some of these younger guys and use their offensive talents. Otherwise, like 
you're wasting away Seth Jones. He's got one year after this, and he's a UFA. So either you're going to have to pay him probably $12 million a year or get out. Right. right, and that's the thing. You know, you have to make a choice now. Like, do we hit the reset button? You know, or maybe not even necessarily. They don't have to reload. They just have to get rid of their head coach, move a couple other pieces around, and maybe they can put this thing back together quick enough to where Seth Jones says, okay, cool, you know what? At 27 years old, I'll resign here, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. sign an extension. I mean, and that's been the problem. Saying, that's been the problem yeah. there for 20 years is that nobody wants to play there. Nobody right. wants to sign there in their in their later years unless they're, you know, kind of over the hill and, and not doing it. Now, a lot of their star players have left. A lot of them. Uh, so they yeah, they need to figure that out quick. All right. Well, those are the futility awards of 2021 halfway through the season. And we'll, uh, we'll bring you these again. Let us know who you think is the worst at everything. Uh, at OT Hockey Talk is our Twitter and Instagram handle. Justin, any final thoughts before we ride off into the horrible sunset that is watching the Buffalo Sabres potentially lose another game? Yeah, enjoy the game, and then everybody just to make sure you enjoy the holiday weekend. Yeah, happy Easter, Good Friday to you, all that good stuff. You're playing at uh, you're playing at church this weekend, yeah? I am. That is correct. Is that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or just Saturday, Sunday? No, so I'm actually it's just Saturday, Sunday, but I'm actually playing at one of the regional campuses. So oh, okay, nice. Little easier schedule this weekend. Beauty. All right. Well, enjoy that, and. All of our listeners, enjoy the weekend, the longer weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
last one. The regular season starts six days in six days on Wednesday. Freaking a Wednesday, January thirteenth. We will do something for it. You'll find out <laughs> of what we're gonna do. But we'll we'll be watching some games, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon.